Voice Talks presented by Google Assistant is premiering Tuesday, April 28th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You'll hear from industry experts, voice-first influencers, and platform creators each month for a deep dive into our rapidly evolving voice industry. This monthly event will include things like the latest in marketing innovations and trends, time for you to ask the expert, plus the chance to win exclusive prizes courtesy of Google. Hosted by Sophia Altuna, one of Google Assistant's top industry experts and a leader on the global product partnerships team, we encourage you to register for this free event and join us at voicesummit.ai slash talks. That's voicesummit.ai slash talks. We can't wait to see you there. Caitlin Gunta-Kunst is the Senior Director of Marketing and Business Development at Creativity, Inc. She recalls the first time she interacted with voice technology, the process her company takes in creating voice skills for brands such as Disney and Netflix, the difference between a one-time use skill and an ongoing use skill, and how her company markets voice skills to get people to use them. Hi, Inside Voice podcast listeners. This is your host, Carrie Roberts. And today, my guest is Caitlin Gutekunst, the Senior Director of Marketing and Business Development at Creativity, Inc. Welcome, Caitlin. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Carrie. I'm really excited to be here. Now, I did my research and I found out that you are a writer, a lover of opera, and you speak multiple languages. So when did you first hear about voice technology and why did it fascinate you to learn more? Gosh, that's a good question. I actually have a funny story about one of the first times I realized that voice was here. And it goes way back to when I was in a car. I had just come back from Spain where I was studying during college. And one of my friends had a Garmin. And she put the language into Spanish because she wanted to continue speaking in Spanish. And so she kept asking the Garmin to do things. But I thought that she had given it sort of like a little old lady's Spanish name. So I thought that she was talking to Carmen the whole time. And then I finally was corrected at the end of the trip that it was Garmin. And this was a voice controlled navigation system. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, you can do that. So that was way back, like what, 15 years. But I think the real question you're trying to get to is uh, voice technology as we know it today. And so that's been about two or three years since I started with creativity pretty much. I love that. And can you tell us briefly about what your company, Creativity Inc., does, especially within the voice space? Yeah, absolutely. So Creativity is a design and development studio that was actually founded about 21 years ago. So we've been around for some time. The studio was originally founded to help provide a great audio-first content development for industries related to toys and entertainment. So we estimate that we've shipped over 7,000 products that we've designed and developed for companies like Hasbro and Spinmaster and Mattel and uh, entertainment studios like Disney or Nickelodeon. And that can be anything from, you know, an animatronic dog that walks and responds to voice commands over to a dinosaur or, you know, mobile apps that help you control robots and all the way over to the voice apps that we're talking about today, which we got into about three years ago as well. Yeah. And the other day I tested all of your voice skills that were listed on the website. I think there are about 10 of them. And I especially like the Stranger Things game skill and the Disney Hits Challenge. And I like them because they used real voices, which I knew and recognized. And they made me feel a part of the game and the way they interacted with me. I think the conversational design was done very well. 
Can you talk about the process your company took in creating those skills and how they played out from a user standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. They're both done at two different times. The Stranger Things action was kicked off in 2017. So it was one of the OGs. <laughs> They're coming out. For both of them, we worked really closely with the brand up front to understand what their goals were and to kind of scope out what type of experience they were looking for. And um, they had very different objectives. For the Netflix Stranger Things action, we were looking for ways that we could help deepen a listener's understanding of season two of the show as it was coming out and give them some extra fun content to be able to interact with related to the show. So we envisioned sort of an interactive story that had some trivia in it so that you could show everybody your deep knowledge of the show. And um, one of the first questions asked you what Eleven's favorite food was. So I feel like I should pause, but I don't think anyone's going to (laughs) answer. So I watched the show, so I knew it was Egos. And what was cool about the conversational design of this piece, which is interesting, I mean, I saw that too, that it was done in 2017. So we're talking three years Mm -hmm. ago. I mean, there's been a big jump in voice usage. So it's pretty impressive what was done three years ago with this. But what was cool was like, it it asked one of the questions was like, what should I feed the Demogorgon thing or whatever. And it gave you three options. And I could not remember what it ate, but it responded Mm -hmm. to you in a really cool way. Like it didn't make you feel dumb and it didn't say, oh, try again. Like it acted in the way of the characters of the story to get you to the right answer. And so I just think Mm -hmm. from a conversational standpoint, it was just done so well and in such a smart way. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. So we've been working on audio-first products for young children most of the lifetime of the studio. And we've learned a lot of best practices for design through designing these type of you know, animatronic dogs and, and different types of pets. So one thing we know is that young children, first of all, have a low attention span. <laughs> if something's not engaging or if it's frustrating, they're just going to walk away from the experience, which is never the goal. And the other point is that, you know, a lot of what we've worked on are non-screen based. And even if they were screened, they're for children who aren't yet literate. And so you have to understand that there are going to be challenges with the technology and design to those constraints and try to encourage them so they're not going to walk away from the experience. And, you know, we've brought a lot of that best practices to this experience, even though it's clearly for adults and older children, if there are kids watching it. So some of those cues that you notice and some of the scripting were things that we learned by working on toys for the life from the company. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. And the other one I said that I like was the Disney Hits Challenge one. And anyone mm-hmm. listening, you can go and use these on uh, Google Assistant. And the Disney one was cool too, because it was like a trivia game and you had to guess like which character it was or which song it was. And so it's using, it's pulling from Disney. But then there was like a young girl that was kind of leading it. But then it had the Alexa voice or Google Assistant voice as like a Mm -hmm. character. So it's just kind of a very cool way that I had not seen it done before. And again, this was done a few years ago. Can you share any other insights as to what you learned in creating, you know, voice activated toys for kids over the years? Yeah. So related to that, with the Stranger Things action, it was meant to be, you know, in support of a a singular campaign. And so when we scripted it and we worked with all four of the boys to actually record it, we kind of locked things into place. Conversely, the Disney Hits Challenge was meant to be part in support of a living and breathing catalog. So it actually aligns and reflects all the songs that are in the Disney Hits playlist, which you can access on Spotify or Amazon Music. For that reason, we had to be flexible with the content. 
the ability to hand off between a text-to-speech voice or an Alexa voice to something that's fully scripted helps create feeling that the characters are very vivid and that you have a lot of like fun, interactive content that really reflects the brand. But it also allows for the flexibility to go in and re-script if for some reason the question isn't asked in a certain way or you have to update the song to reflect what's in the catalog. So it gives you a lot more flexibility. A lot of the toys that we've worked on are also full audio experiences that we've um, edited especially for that. And they tend to take on more of a like a set product type of uh, experience where once you ship it, you know, you go straight to manufacturing and then you send it. But increasingly, even toys and other type of electronics are starting to reflect the fact that people expect the content to be personalized and they want it to live and breathe. So I'm not sure if that reflects exactly what's happening in the toy space because it tends to be, uh, you know, low cost electronics, um, very margin challenged, but we're starting to see that, you know, kids are our future consumers, even if they are our current consumers. And so the knowledge that they're living with devices that adapt to them should be informing the way we think about design for all ages moving forward. Yes, I think that's a really important point. And you touched on something else that I wanted to ask about. Um, and I noticed it with some of the skills you had. Some of them were like a one-time use for a specific event. So the Grammys had one, mm-hmm. American Idol had one. And then, of course, you have others that are for a continuous thing like the Disney Hits Challenge. What value does having something be a skill as a one-time thing versus it having be something people come back to? Like, what's the difference between the two and why are they important for a brand? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it partly reflects the way that the space is moving and the fact that, as you brought up, the Stranger Things action was recorded early in the life cycle of voice as it stands now, or at least the voice platforms that are most commonly used with Amazon and Google. When people first got into the space, they were just playing and they were figuring out ways that they could build a cool brand experience. And part of the reward in that was just the PR that it was generating. You still had to do all the work, of course, to drive awareness about that and discoverability. But a lot of it was done in tandem with larger campaigns. Moving forward, people are starting to understand what deeper features they can unlock. The technology is improved to be able to enable those features. And you're starting to see brands come back who are educated about what's possible and want to understand what the ROI is in a deeper sense. So it's not just how many impressions can I drive or how many conversations or messages were exchanged. People are starting to say, how can this drive other areas of my business and plug into the system? So I think the Disney Hits Challenge is a good example of that. This is something that's meant to be an evergreen engagement that continues to drive engagement with a catalog that's evolving over time and to other parts of the Disney ecosystem. It's one of the first skills that's unlocking a playlist directly from it. So you're not just playing a trivia game about the catalog and hearing those fun clips. You're at the end of it or at any time during the the skill, you're able to ask the Disney Hits Challenge to open up the playlist and go directly to that and actually start streaming the music. That's just a, a shallow example of how you can think of your brand as a digital ecosystem and start to use voice as an inroad or a way to navigate through other places rather than just a standalone experience. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. And I think you're right. I think that's great that it interacts with the music and works with Spotify, works with other platforms. Now, Caitlin, as the person who leads a lot of the marketing and business development at your company, how do you get people to use these skills? Like what is your, you know, you're talking about PR and marketing. That's something a lot of companies struggle with in general, but definitely when it comes to now voice. So can you share with us maybe some things that the Grammys did or Stranger Things did or Disney did to get people to using these skills either one time or continuously? 
Yeah, this is a really good question. I think it's um, one of two challenges that are really facing the space right now. Of course, discoverability continues to be an issue, but also monetization. How do you um, have an ROI on that experience? It could be, of course, that the value is in the engagement and what you're trying to drive, but some people are also looking for ways to fund that. So those are my challenges when I talk to people. I've had some really very interesting inquiries about the types of skills or actions somebody would make. And some of them were like, we want to help other people discover our podcast. And I was like, this is definitely not a discoverability tool. You need to absolutely run a campaign to tell people about it because the, the platforms were not built to be highly searchable. Honestly, it's still easier to use a screen-based device to search things and deeper catalogs. So yeah, brands who are using voice for other things, whether it's search or shopping or driving to different other channels, they have to think about what their invocations will be and how they're going to educate their consumers to start invoking those voice apps. And so part of it is rethinking what your sonic brand is or how your brand exists in a voice first space. So are you naming your invocation in a way where it can be clearly recognized? Are you thinking about keywords when you're like designing all the product page and such? All of that's really important, just like the days of mobile and how you would approach that space. But then you're starting to think like, what does my brand sound like? Am I casting the right persona? Does it reflect the brand? All of that's like going into it as well. And finally, once you've built a great experience and you feel like it's a good representation of what you're trying to get out there, you now have to go out and tell the consumer like what they're finding and, and why. So there's different... Thankfully, I come from a, the toys background, so I'm really good at playing. You really just have to try different things and see if they're going to resonate with the consumer. Social media is kind of my go-to. I'm very much a grassroots marketer. I like to be scrappy. So designing campaigns that go to where your consumer is already playing, who might be the type of person who would be using voice apps is great. I think about other audio channels like podcasts and um, even radio, places where people are already listening to audio content as places where you could probably discover new audiences and bring them over to your space. And there is paid advertising that's possible, of course. And then the last thing with any new technology, one of the biggest hindrances is going to be the adoption of the platform itself. So if you can figure out a way to educate people about how to use it and why, you still have to do some of the work for how to actually get on the platform versus just the experience itself while they're on the platform. You can't assume everybody owns a mobile phone and knows how to use the Siri or the Alexa on it. So I love to make trailers and to post them on YouTube or on socials that show exactly what the experience is so that people can start to put themselves in the shoes of someone who might be using those and to think about what it's like to adopt that experience and use it. Yes, very smart. I agree with what you're saying. I like the idea of trailers. I think you're right. There needs to be more education of how to get on the platform. You know, it was funny, even myself, I was talking to someone the other day, I was not at home. So I didn't have my Alexa or Google Assistant device at home. I was at someone else's house, but I wanted to listen to a flash briefing on Alexa and I did not know how to do it on my phone. So I had to figure out how do I listen on my phone when I'm not near my Alexa device. So even ourselves, it's really making sure we know how to get there, how to educate people, how to troubleshoot. So I'm glad that you are bringing up that piece. The last question we like to ask on this show as we like to help promote voice as a whole, besides the ones we've mentioned, either from your company or elsewhere, is there a voice skill or experience that you personally use and are enjoying right now? Yeah, I have to say I'm kind of basic when it comes to my voice usage. Like I use it as a utility more than anything. I love being able to navigate 
with my voice when I'm driving, which I often caught on 101 going up and down the peninsula in the Bay Area. And I really like being able to open up music or to check the weather when I'm running around getting ready for the day. So in some ways, I'm just a really basic consumer when it comes to that. I do like playing games as well. And I always read the different briefings from Amazon and Google on what's new and and try out like one or two things every single week when I can. And I like seeing like the things that people are tackling, like the, it's funny with marketing, a lot of times you come back to these tentpole events that are common to every consumer. And that's like holidays and, uh, you know, the weather and everything that people are experiencing cohesively and, and try to tap into that common element. So like seeing how they're themed is always fun for me. I think my favorite experience that we've made is probably the audio adventure with the Wiggles, actually. And that's a Google action. It's our first fully screened experience. So it uses the Canvas API. And uh, we worked with the Wiggles to script out an adventure that it helps them go along in an adventure to get to the Wiggles concert. So it imagines an adventure where you're going from one scene to the next and you get to choose which Wiggles you pick up, which would leave friends. And you hear a really fun song, which is what kids love about the Wiggles. And then you get to the end and a concert starts and you feel like you're part of it. And it's just an idea of how audio really immerses yourself and creates an emotional connection to something that's there. It challenges your imagination and it makes you feel part of something bigger in a way that maybe a TV or a passive watching experience doesn't. So I think it really shows what the experience, what voice first technology can do. And um, what I love about working with and consumers who are young children is that a lot of times you're capturing a moment that's shared by the family. And so the Wiggles does a good job of designing fun experiences that the parents can sit back in and be part of that experience, much like they are whenever the Alexa is present in the home. I love that. I mean, everything you're talking about definitely lives up to the name of the company you work for, Creativity Inc. Um, I think you guys are doing some tremendous things. And it's great that you have this background in toys because it showcases how you're kind of leading in the creativity space with what you're doing within voice. So if people want to connect with you or learn more about your company or what we talked about, where can they do that? Caitlin at creativityinc.com is my email address. And I'm always happy to meet new people. LinkedIn, for sure. First name, Caitlin, last name, Goodicum. And then our website is a great place to see some of the most recent projects that we've hosted. And we try to keep that updated as much as possible and showcase some of the things that we're proud of that our partners build with us. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin, for sharing some insight into what you're doing from a voice standpoint, from a marketing standpoint. And I look forward to seeing more of what Creativity Inc. builds. Thank you, Carrie. It was so great. Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at kerry at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at modev.com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you. And we look forward to chatting with you next week.